Welcome to the .NET Labs podcast, a somewhat regular podcast discussing the developer world of .NET and more specifically .NET MAUI. Each episode will bring you news, interviews, and interesting topics from around our community. This episode is brought to you and sponsored by .NET Labs, a consultancy service born from the beginnings of .NET and Xamarin with all the experience needed to help you be successful with your .NET mobile, web, and cloud applications. Learn more and contact us at .NETlabs.io. Welcome, everyone. I am here with Alex Blount, co-founder of .NET Labs. Today, we're going to be diving into his psyche, much like we did in the last episode with mine. I thought it would be a good idea to turn the tables and get a little peek into Alex's past, You know what motivated him to get into software, uh, what motivates him now. So Alex, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you again. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Well, I'm excited, actually, because I, I don't really know much about the history of how you got into development um, until, you know, we eventually met while we worked at, at Xamarin and then at Microsoft. So I'm excited to be able to kind of dive back into your past, you know, 100 years ago when you first got started uh, into software development. So, yeah, let us let, let us uh, into your life, into your past. And how did all this start? You know, how did you get into into the software development game yeah i mean um back in the days when everything was black and white and um <laughs> uh, so, the turn dials on the tvs oh, yeah exactly um so i mean like kind of really early on um to get passionate or when i started getting kind of passionate about this um i remember i remember i was really young i think i would have been um maybe like five or six years old um my parents bought me a commodore vic 20 um real classic um machine i had no no idea what to do with it all i knew is you kind of put tapes old school kind of uh, walkman tapes into uh into into the tape player uh you'd wait maybe 45 minutes for something to to load and then you'd uh, you'd get a basic version of kind of like the um oh, what was the name of the the game the the where you um you skied down the screen was it <laughs> i don't even know okay uh there is there is a really classic game where you were like a skier i think it was like called horace or something uh, i forget but um you would get like monochrome versions of that and um yeah and i and I remember like my parents would buy me kind of these odd, odd magazines and, and you'd like copy stuff out of the, of the back and it would, and it, you would kind of do like cool little programs and stuff. And I would mostly just kind of do the kind of print Alex go to 10 type of like things. And just, it was amazing. What was the, um, what was the language? It was it like basic. a similar, was, was that like, what you're basically? <laughs> It was like a, a version of basic, if I remember, oh, cool. if I remember rightly. Um, but it, it was like kind of one of those things that where, and, and this is something that's happened throughout my life, I think, is I, I found something and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I'm really into this. And then I would forget about it for like a few years <laughs> and, and like do other stuff. Um, and then... And then something else would kind of remind me of of that, and and it would bring me back in. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of the first thing. And then um, after a while, I I got and I I, I seem to have stuck with Commodore because um, I got a Commodore Amiga five hundred, 
um, yeah. when I was a little little bit older. Um, that was moving on to like floppy floppy disks. Um, right. and, yeah, getting uh, a little bit more modern yeah, here. Yeah. More, yeah. <laughs> and a windowing system and everything in colors, yeah. uh, which was you, pretty You cool. had a graphical user interface at some yep. point. And, yeah, very yeah. cool. There was a text adventure game for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah, cool. And um, and as part of that, uh, I remember like I found this this thing and you could build your own text adventures. So I'd like I'd mess around like building building these text adventures and, and things like that. And again, it was like one of those things like, wow, this is really cool. I really like really enjoyed, enjoyed doing this. And then I'd forget about it and I'd go and like kill aliens on some other game and and like what, what kind of code was this like it, whenever you create a text adventure game is that mostly like conditionals or you know what's the what's the code involved with something like that is it mostly like it, i'm imagining if you if you you know do this you make this decision then something else happens and it kind of leads you down this tree or you know pick your own adventure type situation it was definitely like an on rails type of thing where you could almost say hey there's this room you define like where the exits are you like if you if they look south these are the things they'll see these are the oh, things see, you can pick up type thing so it was there was not really a great deal of kind of like code per se it was like more just like uh, configuration i never i never thought about it this way but it, it was kind of a they made creating xml files fun i guess in, in a way <laughs> well it's kind of i mean i think it's it's pretty similar i mean you know last week in the in the first episode when you know, I kind of talked about how I got into development as well, you know, similar experience, I think, through a game. But I think pretty similar in the in the respect that it was mo more mostly configuration. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of give you these guardrails or these, you know, these bumper lanes. Basically, they can go and, and start to tweak some, some stuff. But and that's why I asked about, you know, what, what were the capabilities, you know, if it's mostly conditional. Mm -hmm. But I think that especially as you talk about, you know, you were doing this at, you know, five and six years old. Uh, that's that's pretty I mean one that's pretty cool right I mean if you especially consider back back then you know it's not like so long ago but it's certainly not like 2022 is you know I I was driving by something the other day and there was a forget the name of it like code ninjas or something they've got mm -hmm. these entire like brick and mortar places now for kids you know stem studios stuff like that to be able to get started so it, it sounds like at five and six you were you were already starting to get into to some of that and you said that you took a couple of years, you know, where you'd kind of forget, I mean, you're a kid you're doing all kinds of other cool stuff, I'm sure. Yes. Um, and so, so what was the point that, you know, was it, you know, as you're coming out of high school, you know, what did it look like as you got into, you know, development, I say professionally, but it really doesn't have to be professionally. Like, you know, you started to do a project of some sort where you're really focused on development. When was that? So I don't think, I don't think I ever really understood what, software development was until like way later um like at school i was um i was terrible um at school honestly like same uh, <laughs> um what what is kind of secondary school which is kind of similar to high school um uh, in the uk um it, it was very much like my reports were can do better all the time like all of them like could please try harder could do better um and um i actually i was i was expelled from from school um nice the day, nice the day the, so the day before um 
I was kind of, we were due to actually kind of leave and graduate. I was expelled the day before. Um, That's impressive. Yeah. You were expelled yeah. right before you, you were going to go, you were going to graduate. Yeah. I, we yeah. definitely got to dive more into that. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, it was, it was not as cool as it sounded that we, we kind of had, and I think certain schools do it kind of everywhere, but we had a ritual where it's like the last day, everyone would write on everybody's shirts and kind of like you'd, you'd kind of look completely disheveled by the, by the end of the, the day. Um, I thought it would be great to do that the day before and kind of ripped my shirt, <laughs> ran around getting everybody to sign it, just being a complete ass um, for the entire day. <laughs> and uh, I can believe the, it. I can believe it. <laughs> the teachers decided that that would be something that would be worth nipping in the bud um, early. Uh, and and yes, they they did they did that and kind of kicked me out. So. Um, uh, and and I went to uh, kind of after that I went to um, uh, to sixth form, um, which is kind of like almost like a collegey type thing. Quit yeah. after the first year uh, yeah. because I just couldn't find the thing that really um, gave me the passion that made me interested enough to 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 stick at something. Uh, I yeah. just I just didn't find it. Um, so kind of straight out of school, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I I I have zero idea so i um i worked in a lot of lot of stores i kind of sold some of the many things that i sold in my time i sold uh motorcycle equipment and leather um leather clothing for for riding on a bike i can I, picture that yeah <laughs> i was good at modeling it that was that was oh, one nice, of my favorite nice. parts um <laughs> the i i sold flooring i sold cars um I, uh, I, I really kind of got into the sales thing cause I literally didn't know anything else to do. Um, and then, but the, strangely enough, the thing that, that really kind of got me into, there were, there were kind of two points that I think that, that kind of molded together to, to give me this idea that software development was something that I wanted to do. Um, I got a job at a credit card call center. Yeah. Um, and the, it was it was great. It was kind of um, one of the things that I learned from that was was how to do customer service and how to talk to people and and how to interact with people and be professional, um, yeah. which I think is something that kind of really helped me. Like the soft skills, learning how yeah. to do the soft skills um, ahead of like actually diving into development. Um, but I got a I got a side role building out um, help materials uh, like mm. the. Um, all of the there was there was a, a software piece of software package called Robo Help um, that you built these things and it was very much like building HTML and building um, different like when they click here then you go to this and it was so it was almost yeah. like building really basic apps and I loved it absolutely loved it it was great and I everybody else on the team would kind of do these very functional things that worked. And I would do things like if you clicked on it, like there would be animations like flying all over the screen and this, the one screen would hide and it was like completely not good for the people using it, but it looked really cool. Yeah. Um, and um, so that was kind of like one of the first things that, that made me kind of be thinking about like, wow, building kind of like apps. I didn't really know kind of that at the time, but that kind of started me thinking about it. And then um, in the next job, I worked at another call center. Um, I worked on the team that was responsible for all of the different um, 
uh, call management. So they would kind of like, oh, there's a team over there. Let's push all the calls there or kind of really directing where all the calls would go. They were also yeah. responsible for reporting out at the end of the day to tell the team leads like what what how many calls their team took, how many were dropped, the, kind of all those sorts of things. And they would... Um, they would effectively log into an old mainframe and AS400 system, log into yeah. it and manually type the data that they got from that into a spreadsheet, the people on my team. Were. And it would take them hours. It was like not Ugh. a fun thing that they enjoyed doing. Um, and I started playing. I was like, there's got to be a better way of doing this. So I started playing around with um, Visual Basic for applications, VBA in Excel. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I found there was a way to connect to AS400 directly um, and just pull the data out and pipe it into an Excel spreadsheet and it would just be there. Um, so I kind of like, I I spent some time doing this, showed it off to some of the team leads and they were like, this is amazing. We don't have to wait. We can just open it and it just populates the data. Uh, the people on, on my team were like, this is awesome. We don't have to spend this time doing this anymore. This is so cool. And like, that was the one of the times that really kind of like showed me that doing something, building software can save people time and make people more efficient and more efficient in doing their job. Um, so that was kind of like a big thing that really kind of pushed me on into wanting to learn how to do this and get into it, um, for it full time. Yeah, that that's really interesting because I think that, you know, part of what you're saying, it sounds like a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I guess a common enough story, but also I think it, it really shaped you as a developer. It sounds like, uh, in the way that you approach things. I think one of the things you mentioned before was, I mean, obviously as the call center kind of starting in more of a support capacity gave you a level, it sounds like a level of empathy for users. And so mm -hmm. seeing it from that side and then, you know, then combining, you know, something that you had developed earlier on, you know, just the intrigue and kind of being able to almost automate something to solve your own problems or at least start, you know, by solving your problem. Personally, I think that is, I think those are some of the best developer stories mm -hmm. uh, because you didn't do it from this need. You know, I take myself, for example, I kind of just fell into it and developed a passion for it over time, but I really just started into a program. Yours was really, you know, more, much more pragmatic, much more practical um, where you were, you were solving, you know, kind of your, you know, not really just your problems, but everybody else's problems. And so really like living that, like that developer or development lifestyle, just like right from the beginning. So where, you know, from there, you know, the, the mm -hmm. two call centers and, you know, starting to get into VBA, where did you, where did you go from there? Did you, did you eventually just start a full-time job uh, in development or how did that, how did that all come together? Yeah. So I, I definitely took the, I was like, Hey, I can be successful in VBA. What's this thing? Where does it come from? Um, and I started kind of digging into that. Um, and realized that there was, and I'm trying to think about kind of time scales. This was probably like 2004 ish. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and part of that research, I found VB.net. I was like, wow, this looks like a really cool transition from this kind of this very more basic language into something that is used for like other things. And I can build these cool things with it. Um, at the time, at that time, there was a lot of, there was a lot of hype around um, around not necessarily software jobs, but jobs in IT. 
Um, And so in the UK, we'd have all of these, we'd have these TV ads that would be playing constantly where it would like show somebody that was kind of sweeping the streets. Uh, They'd do a a course um, at uh, like an hour a night. And within three weeks, they were earning like a hundred thousand pounds a year and kind of, they had a Porsche and stuff like that. It was it, success. Yeah. <laughs> Instant success. Well, three weeks, couple of weeks success. <laughs> it was, it was a really hard sell because like at the, at the time in the UK, there was a real shortage on, on kind of IT people. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, I looked at that. I was like, oh, cool. So I, I had a look and they had courses for .NET development. Um, so I, I started, I kind of started studying, um, in my own time. I, I, I was working a regular job. I'd get up at like 4am, um, do an hour and a half on my coursework, um, go to work, come home, do kind of another hour at night. Uh, then we had our first child as well. So we were kind of like juggling, juggling that and, and kind of continuing, uh, to, to learn. Um, I got, I got enough that um, I was able to, and, and this is where I kind of feel bad, uh, but I, I got enough that I learned, I, I was able to get myself into a role. Yeah. Um, which I completely and utterly failed at massively. <laughs> it was a huge, complete mess. Um, I, they wanted to, this was kind of the, one of the, the failures is that the, there was nobody else there. They literally wanted a developer to build some specific app, uh, specific application. Somehow I managed to talk them into thinking that I could do this. And I talked myself into that as well, I think. Um, <laughs> and I I learned a whole lot of things like you should never do. Um, and, and I honestly wish I had the source code for this thing because I built uh, a WinForms app. Uh, I think the entirety of the code and logic and SQL and everything was in like one button click handler, um, just all of it, the entire been there. Thing. Yep. Been there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's not how you write code. I, I gotta go back and change some things. <laughs> um, so, so I kind of, I, I, I sucked at that. I was terrible. Um, and I was lucky enough that um, they, they kind of brought somebody in. I moved on. They asked me very nicely to move on. And I very, very much kind of um, obliged. Um, I got another job um, with somebody, the, the, the actual, um, the chairman of the company was a developer. Yeah. Um, and um, he was like, look, I can see something in you. Um, obviously, thank you for telling us that you're a complete mess and you failed at your last role, but I can see that you, you, you're willing to learn. Um, and I, I kind of started that job and they helped me learn. I kind of started picking up C sharp. That was kind yeah. of the point I moved over to C sharp. Um, and, um, and doing some ASP.net, I started doing some WPF, um, yep. and really kind of jumping around to these different technologies and, and honestly, and, and I can really call this out as being one of the key moments of my career, uh, in software development. I started listening to podcasts. Yeah, uh, really. This isn't this isn't like a whole thing around like why people should listen to this podcast, but um, <laughs> but I do that everybody. But do listening. That, but do that. <laughs> um, I started listening to the .dot net rocks .dot net rocks podcast. Um, yep. 
and the amount of information that I gained from from just putting my putting myself out there and learning as much about from the community and and um, the things that were important to Microsoft because they had a bunch of kind of people from Microsoft um, on yep. the podcast um, just people kind of talking about best practices there were so many things that I learned that I was able to roll into my into my day-to-day job that I was then able to kind of expand on top of and, and learn from um, it was a key 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 moment for me um, yeah and I really learned a lot from from doing that yeah I think you know I mean it it sounds like a pretty interesting very similar story even to my own as we were talking you know last week on this is that you know, you kind of joked about putting everything inside of a, you know, button handler event or something like that. But I think everybody really starts that way, right? Because once you you get into, I really, I mean, you, you could probably go a couple of different directions on this, but for me, and I don't know if your story was similar or your, you know, your thought process was similar, but, you know, once I started to dive deeper into the OO concepts or the object oriented stuff um, and started to see the power of things like encapsulation, abstraction, mm-hmm. polymorphism, you know, as I'm just trying to be able to spell these words, you know, whenever I was just first getting started, is that kind of similar? Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there some kind of, you know, maybe not necessarily one unique moment you kind of talked about, you know, the, you got this opportunity in the second job. Um, but was there a point where you, your passion just really started to take off um, where, you know, whether it was by listening to .NET rocks and there's, because, you know, for, for listeners out there, one of the things I think, and, and I don't know exactly where this time was, you kind of mentioned 2003, 2004 earlier. Um, but during this time too, there wasn't really, it's not quite the landscape it is today as Mm -hmm. far as being able to go and just Google something and be able to get that information. So things like, you know, a podcast where, you know, you've got these experts, uh, you know, giving best practices. A lot of these things, at least in my case, and I don't know if yours is similar, it was just things that I hadn't even heard of before. And so it was kind of like a light bulb um, would go off. Is there something Mm -hmm. like that, you know, during that time, like whether it was in OO or, you know, a a particular technology that just like really started to light a fire for you? I think for me, it was just the, just the small wins. It was like, I, I've learned this particular concept. Um, and I can then go and write some code and implement it and it works. Yeah. Um, and I think the hard thing is, and this this is where I think it was great for me when I had not only the support of the people at work that were kind of like helping me move me along, but also kind of the listening to podcasts and listening to people talk, is that there is such a huge learning curve, I think, from the point where you get started to yeah. the point where you are able to, you know, all of these different concepts, you, you're able to be a, um, a, or a capable developer that, that can, that can work on, on their own or can, uh, can, can kind of start a role or, or something like that. Yeah. The learning curve is huge and it's so easy to be completely consumed by the, I don't know what I'm doing. I like, there are like, what is, what is polymorphism? What if, what is encapsulation? I need to know that I need to know all of these things before I'm able to move on. And it's not that it, it's just, it's being able to in yourself to think, no, it's okay that I take this slowly. And you just really kind of take that one step at a time approach um, and not feel like you need to know everything um, straight away. 
Uh, and that's why I think it is great to have people around you that can give you the emotional support that that you kind of need to to keep pushing down that because I think it's so easy to to quit um, and think that everybody knows everything around you, which as I get much, 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 much older, um, I realize that most people like that's not how it is. Um, the most senior developers um, that that I that I know um, Google things on a regular yeah. basis. Um, that's not a bad thing, uh, and and you just have to you just have to realize that and kind of go with it. Yeah, I think that I mean that it certainly resonates with me, and I can imagine it resonates with a lot of people where you talk about this kind of step by step or incremental. I think even now. You know, you look at, at the landscape of technology, different languages, the, you know, different ecos- development ecosystems, uh, you know, platforms, uh, just different technologies that you can use. It, it, it's so easy, I think, especially if you go on like tech Twitter, you, you know, some of these uh, platforms and it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, I don't know enough because there's a new concept and it gets you down this rabbit hole. But I think as you're saying, you know, it's the adage of progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you're continually taking those small steps. And, you know, I tried to, I was in a, an iOS uh, dev happy hour or something that, that goes on on Twitter. And that was one of the things I think, you know, that you're talking about that, you know, less experience or kind of newly into development, you know, developers are, are wondering is, you know, how, how do I learn all of these things all at once? And, mm-hmm. you know, and they can get frustrated, like you said, and they can quit. Um, you know, where people will quit just because it, it gets a little bit difficult. But I think sometimes people just need to take a look back and look at how far they've really come. Because even as you've been saying this story, it was a longer journey to mm-hmm. be able to get there. But every decision that you made, all these little micro decisions and stuff kind of led you to this path um, to where, I mean, obviously you're the badass developer uh, that you are, you know, the illustrious career that you've had. I mean, honestly, um, that you've had, but it's been based on a bunch of really you know, small decisions just over the course of time. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, as you were kind of building up your development expertise at that time, what led you into mobile development? You know, eventually we were to meet it at Xamarin and, you know, work together at Xamarin and Microsoft, but what kind of led you or, you know, got you into that opportunity? Yeah. So I, um, I started um, after a couple of different roles that I kind of built on different things. I was mainly doing ASP.NET development, so very kind of .NET focused. Um, around 2009, the uh, the iPhone kind of came out, and um, I was like, wow, this thing's shiny. And wait, oh, <laughs> to, you mean if I want to build, build things for this, I need to buy a white shiny MacBook too. That sounds exciting. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Um, so I, I kind of went out and, um, and honestly at the time it was probably just to buy the Mac. I wanted an excuse to buy a Mac. Hey. Um, <laughs> I went, I went it's like, out. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good reason. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I went out, went out and bought one and, um, and start learning Objective C, and yeah. um, I I turned that into the the kind of the way that um, I I turned that into something is that I I was working for a, a, a company that was um, kind of a consultancy service. Um, I I basically just built one of the thing one of the pro- products that they were building. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a mobile app for this just to teach yeah. myself. Um, 
and found something to work on and, and built it. Um, it it wasn't great, but it was it was an app and and it helped me to learn uh, how to build apps for for mobile. And um, I kind of did that a few different times. Um, and some of those crazily, some of those some of those apps are still on the app store today. Oh, um, that's really and- cool. Yeah, yeah, and and I even in even in those that that early days, I was kind of like uh, learning about white labeling. Like, how do we how do we yeah. white label an app um, and and allow it to be pushed out to different different customers? And um, and it was it was a great way of um, of coming to a place where you can be productive with something. And I think that's it's kind of one of the like you kind of talking about old adages and like like scratching your own itch. Uh, or, yeah. or at least scratching somebody else's itch if 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 they have an itch um, is finding something to 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 tackle and then using that as a learning experience yeah because it makes it so much harder to quit if you're actually if you actually have a target to 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 kind of achieve um, and and that's pretty much kind of the way that I've tried tried to to kind of um, to to go forward with that um, then that led me into again. This is where kind of .NET Rocks is uh, really listening to podcasts and things like that really helped my career. Is I, I as I was learning to build apps with Objective C, um, I listened to an episode of, of .NET Rocks with um, Miguel de Acaza, uh on there talking about. I've talking heard of that about, guy. Oh yeah, you know. Guy. Yeah, I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Um, he was talking about mono and and things like that, and then the end of. Um, the end of the the show he kind of like he said oh and, and we've kind of got it working on an iphone too mm-hmm. um and i don't know how much of this now is kind of like um is made up in my memories and how much of it is actually true um it's been a long time um uh, but i remember as well i remember like looking on youtube and there was a um there was a really short video of mono like a mono command line running on an iphone I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and kind of started following that. And then when Monotouch was released, yep. I just completely dove into that. And um, my daughter at the time um, did did ballet. Um, and so every every time she went to to do um, her um, um, her class, I would sit outside with my MacBook, um, Mono develop open. Uh, kind of playing around and learning, learning Monotouch, um, and and it kind of just grew from there. And uh, and I, I started I started using that in the role that I was in, um, and and then moving on to to Mono for Android when when that that came out. Um, and it was just it was just it just seemed like a really infectious time. It was like it was multiple different things that I was really, really passionate about, .NET yeah. and mobile development, and they just kind of crushed into each other at the perfect time um, and um, and just really, really kind of grabbed my my interest and my passion. Did you did you immediately switch over to you know creating the applications that you were at that time using Monotouch or Mono for Android, um, or were you still primarily ios or objective c based or was it like a slow phase or how did that work it was it was definitely primarily kind of still doing things objective c but any free time that i had it would be it would be in monotouch and and mono for android um because i think it also it was from a business perspective at the time this thing was really new um and it was a hard sell straight away at the time because also that you had to pay for it um 
if I remember, yep. it was like $2,000 a seat or something. Yep, uh, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> so, so I needed, I need to sell it. So that's where, again, kind of, I, I did it over time. I found things I could, I could build using it and, and really show off the benefit um, of it to be able to sell that into the companies that I was working for. Um, and it, and it got to the point where kind of that was one of that, that was one of my main focuses. Um, I was lucky enough, um, to, when I was in the UK to get a role, um, in Australia. Um, uh, I actually filled, I actually filled the role of, uh, Craig Dunn. Um, he, that guy too. He um he he actually moved from the role that that I moved into to go and work at Xamarin. Oh, cool. Um and I I moved uh over to Australia to to kind of to to fill fill that role. Uh and I definitely didn't have the chops to to fill that. He was um definitely some big big shoes to fill. Um and um yeah, I got to got to kind of work over in Australia and and really kind of uh, dig into that and and one of the things that that again to kind of force myself to to grow um is i started making myself do presentations at local user groups um it's like if i want to if i want to learn about a particular topic it's like okay i'm going to go and do a presentation on this i now need to force myself because i either i either i learn it or i look like an idiot that's (laughs) a that's a a solid approach yeah because it can really only go those two directions i like it (laughs) um so i i started digging into some of the things like i really got got um interested in i did a lot of bindings i showed did um i did a lot of presentations on how to do bindings um i actually one of the craziest things i ever did was i just picked a um a library an ios library and did it live in front of everyone it's like okay we're going to do this library and luckily it worked um i have no idea how but it did um (laughs) That's true. I mean, that and that. I mean, for anybody out there that, I mean, iOS bindings. We were actually just talking about this an hour or so ago. Uh, they can be really tricky. Mm-hmm. So that's actually really impressive uh, that you just live coded, like picked one at random, uh, and then was able to get it to work. Because sometimes they can be a real pain. Um, yeah, I think I honestly bug, think I was sure. I was really lucky at that time. I think I was really really lucky. That's um, really cool. But this is also the the reason. I kind of, um, I then moved on to and got the job at Xamarin is because of those, um, because of those presentations I did because of the blogs that I'd written. And I actually put some of those bindings out, um, on, um, as NuGets. Did NuGets exist at that? I think they did. Um, with PCLs, right? Or was that pickles or something like, Um, yeah, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to remember back then. Yeah. Slept since then. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so James Clancy, who was somebody that that worked at Xamarin, he he saw kind of some of the bindings that I did and recommended um, recommended me for a role there, and um, yeah, it was it's a wild ride. Um, yeah, on- and the rest is history. And then you, uh, yeah, then you became the infamous Alex that we all know and love the uh, writing writing all the the really awesome code and uh, worked on. I mean, since that point, hundreds of applications. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, and. I'm sure just like learning, you know, throughout using that same, you know, the methodology that you kind of described as you, you started off, you know, started off in development, then being able to apply that, you know, once you got into Xamarin and, and Microsoft, I'm curious, 
you know, what was your, you know, you kind of asked this question to me too, but like, what was your favorite part uh, about the job? You know, once you, you, you got into, uh, got into Zam, besides, you know, getting to work with me, uh, obviously, uh, what was your, you know, what was your favorite part of, you know, that whole experience between, you know, working at Xamarin and then at Microsoft, everything in between? Honestly, I, um, I loved working with, with different customers, um, learning about their kind of their businesses specifically and what they were trying to achieve with the technology. Um, and then for us to be able to really, because we had a deep understanding of the technology, marrying those two things together. Um, so you could, you kind of get the, got the best of both worlds. Um, that was, I think that's one of the, one of the coolest things is the, that alongside the different kind of relationships that, that we had with, um, the, the different developers that we worked with, um, the, um, the kind of the, the, the managers, the project managers, all of these different people, um, learning how they came to be in the role that they were doing and, and how they work, the, how they, how they got into the, to software development and, and how those different, um, how, how different people do things in so many different ways and yet can all be successful. Um, yeah. I think is, it was awesome. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, and honestly, I think I've, I've made, I've made some, some of some lifelong friendships through, through that, like yourself and, um, many, many other people. I think it's, it's just been, it's been a privilege to, to be able to, to work with so many different, um, really, really talented people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I was constantly in awe of as well as, you know, obviously being able to work with yourself and you'd mentioned, you know, Clancy and, and Craig and some of the other ones, I think it, you know, it was, it was a pretty awesome time. And even now, you know, still being able to, you know, work with, with you and then, you know, be able to hit people up and ask them questions is, you know, everybody's still trying to just navigate, you know, this tech landscape as it's constantly evolving. Uh, and, and as we come kind of to the end of, of this podcast, and you've really done a really good job throughout this episode of, you know, really providing advice almost through your experiences. But if you were to kind of formally, you know, put together one piece of advice for either, you know, somebody looking to get into software development now, um, or maybe they're just starting off, you know, maybe as a hobby developer or hobbyist, maybe they're, you know, actually starting off their professional career. What would you be the one piece of advice, um, or, you know, or, you know, something suggestion to give to someone? I think the thing for me is, is understanding that software development is not one role. It's not, it's not a role that is just built for one type of person. There are so many different diverse options of, of ways that you can, you can be a software engineer um, yeah. or a software developer. I think you can really, you can really tailor it to you as a person. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're somebody that's um, you kind of, you just want to focus on the code and you only really want to deal with the problem that you're dealing with. There are engineers like that. If you want to be somebody that is collaborating a lot, is working with other people and um, and understanding other people's problems, there are software engineers out there like that too. If you want to lead people, there's there's engineering managers. Um, there are just so many different options out there that I would say don't don't pigeonhole this as no, I I don't fit because I'm not this type of person. Um, 
you can you can do it. I think this is a role that um, that so many people in this world could do. Uh, they just need to kind of focus, not give up, and and kind of really really work work towards it and um, and find their passion, and and then they can do it. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I one million percent agree with that sentiment. I think that that's I'm one that's awesome advice. I think that you know this idea that. You know, anybody can really be a developer, right? I mean, de- development at its core is really, you know, it's just problem solving, mm-hmm. you know, being able to solve different problems. And there's different mediums, you know, kind of like there are for art and different things to be able to do it. Um, and then, you know, we mentioned is there's a variety of different ways that you can do that, you know, with the technology landscape, the way that it is now and changing all the time. But that that's really awesome advice. And it's really something I think that, it should be encouraging, certainly encouraging for myself, you know, hearing your story and, you know, the decisions that you've made and, you know, the progress that you've made and, you know, your constant passion for development. And as you've kind of traversed the, the technical landscape, um, I think that that's, that's really cool. Um, and I'd like to thank you for, you know, for, for agreeing for me to turn the tables on you and be able to interview you through this episode. Uh, this has been I can say for myself, this has been really cool because it's 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 great to hear about, you know, not only how you got started, but, you know, what really, I guess, fuels you, you know, in software development and, you know, you know, how you're constantly, you know, learning, evolving uh, and looking towards the future. It's really cool. So I'd like to thank you very much for, you know, sharing your story uh, on this episode of the .NET Labs podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone. Until next time.